Broadcasting from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. I'm your rock star wannabe host, David Strausser. Welcome to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz, your place to learn how to grow a business during complete chaos. Today, got another amazing show planned, but before we get into that, you know all this, you know, the morning announcements. Here we go, a couple things. The newest thing is, I don't know if you saw this, but I posted a promo video over the weekend. We can now accept memberships on YouTube. You'll see down below on the channel, I think even on each video, got the little join button. We got three different tiers set up. You got some couple, you know, nice things that really come with each one of the tiers. But you can become a baby sharker for only $3 a month. I mean, come on, that's spare change. And by joining the channel, besides the perk, I mean, it's really going to help us thrive, uh, you know, have some more revenue coming into this so that we can keep making bigger and better shows. Speaking of bigger and better shows, another way of helping us grow is by going to my brand new coffee brands website, deadhousecoffee.com. Once again, deadhousecoffee.com. Use code SHARK. You're going to get 20% off of that, and all of the proceeds directly help us produce this show. That means that we get fancier graphics better looking guest, although today's guest is quite the charmer. And, you know, we get all the cool stuff that really happens when a show like ours starts to scale. So you can help us directly, join us, grab coffee, either way. Thank you very much for your support. I love producing these two episodes each and every week. Now, let's get back to today's episode. Retirement planning, especially during these times, is pretty tough really don't know what to expect. I mean, if you look at it, it seems like we're teetering on everything skyrocketing or everything going straight down the drain. Today's guest is a specialist in all of that, hand-holding you through this chaotic time in history uh, that help make sure that when you get up to that retirement age, you could do it with safety and security. You might see his book right here. He, it's exactly what he does, which is helping you not outlive your money while in retirement. Okay? Now, as a bonus segment to this, I know crypto is the big thing. We're also going to talk about crypto and if crypto should be part of your retirement portfolio. It's a great discussion covering a ton of different diverse topics and again it's all jammed into one one episode of shark bite biz so who is today's guest mark singer as president of safe harbor retirement planning mark has served as a relentless retirement guide to thousands of individuals since 1986 the secret to his longevity has been asking the questions other advisors simply don't ask. It allows him to make the best decisions for each client's unique situation and ensure retirement success. Mark is a former radio talk show host, is an author, and has become the go-to financial educator in the media. His most recent book, Don't Outlive Your Money in Retirement, Seven Key Steps, unveils the step-by-step process used to help maximize the retirement journey. Mark has been featured in The Wall Street Journal, abcnews.com, foxnews.com, and Bloomberg Radio, as well as locally, Boston on NECN and WRKO. He is also a multi-year recipient of Boston Magazine's five-star Wealth Manager Award. So I'm going to stop talking. Let's bring Mark on in here. Personal growth. Mark, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. Hey, you just became shark bait, my friend. Oh my goodness! I've <laughs> never been told I've been. I, I'm that. Well, I guess congratulations are in order, huh? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I'm going to start sending out uh, shark cages to all my guests so that they can bring it on the, <laughs> on the show. <laughs> it is something different. There you go. You got to be unique in this world. Yep. So on this show, we've got a tradition. The very first question that we ask every single person that comes on here, what's your experience? What's your background? Basically, tell us what makes Mark Mark, you know, going back many years, it seems like several lifetimes ago, um, I actually hired a financial planner. I had no money. I didn't know where I was headed. I just knew I sort of didn't know what I didn't know. And that sort of started me on the track to trying to just understand this stuff, which sort of put me into this business. But what, so I have an interest in the numbers and the planning and all that stuff. But what really, really drives me is that for my entire life, young and old, I've been a coach. And what we really do do is coach people. And so at the core, it's education. At the core, it's trying to, you know, make other people better. The tool we use is financial planning, and that's where I have an expertise in. But what I really pride myself in and what I've done for so many years, I've spoken nationally, I've had radio and TV shows, I've written four books, even though I said after the first book, I'd never write another one again. (laughs) Um, I, I really want to give as much as I can to the people who really want to listen where I can make a significant impact on their lives. And as I say, in my arena that happens to be in the world of retirement planning and finances. Sounds like you almost got in there by happenstance. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I was in sales all my, up until that point, right? And I was Mm -hmm. selling, um, I actually sold waterbeds. Okay. Oh, there you go. And they were popular back in like the 80s, 90s. Careful, careful, <laughs> careful how far back you Oh, go. you got it. I was taking a jab there. Careful. <laughs> so, you know, I did very well in that. And then I ended up working for one of the retailers that I was um, selling to. And I was their number one salesperson. And I put in the whole system for them. And all of a sudden, I realized that I like the sales aspect of things, getting people to... Uh, help pursue or achieve their dreams, right? Or whatever their goals are. But I realized I liked more of the conceptual sale than the product sale. And I actually went to my financial advisor. I said, you know what? I I don't think this is for me. I don't know what is, but I really want to shift from selling a product to conceptual to the story because I really I really somehow connect with that and that's when he said to me well why don't you uh, come into our business I went huh so a few months later uh, the retailer I was working for fired their entire sales force all at once and I was the only one who went up to the owners and I said thank you and they looked at me and they what what we just fired everybody <laughs> no 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 I said, thank you, because now I know that I'm going to go into a new career and a new time, and today's the day. And that was the day I ended up, you know, moving into the world of financial services. Oh, that no, that that's a really good story. And one of the things that I really related to is when you were saying that about when you're making a sale, that I think some people are just really drawn to selling. I think some people they sell out of necessity because they don't know what else they can go in so it's like okay i'll go sell vacuums at sears or whatever but i think there's other people like us that you know you go make a sale even today i mean we're doing million dollar deals all the time with my day job and i get a goosebump even if it's a really small twenty five thousand dollar deal because i know what i'm selling is actually going to change the life of this small business owner. I'm helping them achieve their dreams and reach their goals. I'm their growth partner. And I swear that every single time I get goosebumps up the arms, it gives me the warm and fuzzies. My wife can't even do that. 
<laughs> I, I, I won't get into that one, David. That's okay. So, you know, it, it, it's interesting you mentioned that because I'll share something with you. And I, I know that, you know, I've talked to my daughter about this as well. Um, mm-hmm. That it's really, you know, from my perspective, it's important to do the right thing. However, yeah. even in our own minds, depending upon where we are in life or in the, the development of our business, the, the how we perceive right sometimes changes. And, and I'll give you an example. When I first started in this business, I really wanted to help people. But at the same time, I was growing a business and I really needed to help me as well. I mean, I'm not a nonprofit. And, you know, I certainly struggled really my first 15 years of being in the business. Yeah. Um, and it was tough. So the definition of right was sort of a combination of how can I help my client and also make sure that it helps me. Right. It's interesting now on the back end of those, the next 15 years where now I have the financial security that I've always wanted, where it's really not at all about me and it's 100% about the client. And now I can go so overboard with providing all the resources, education, value. I don't don't care. You know, I I just wanna give you all that I can because I no longer have to worry about me. And sometimes that that that's amazing though. I mean that that that's a really important point that I've never I, well, I, maybe I thought about it, but I haven't thought about it to to what you're saying. But it's it's true. When I first got into ERP, I never sold ERP before in my life. I mean, in fact, I was living down in Mexico for 15 years, worked with the Mexican government, did all that stuff, cross border stuff between um, you know SoCal and Baja, Mexico, and. When I first got here, I mean, it was totally like, oh my God, I got to build up the pipeline. I got to sell. I just got to close deals, close deals, close deals. But then after I had that pipeline, I had all those deals coming through. I had all that income. I mean, I could go six months and I would still have a really good income. But that's where I, I personally think that there was a shift then where it, I got that financial stability that I'm looking for. Now I can make, I I call them better quality sales because then instead of just trying to sell, I'm really focusing a hundred percent more on the client because I have that burden taken off my shoulders. Is that what you're talking about? And it's not that you weren't doing the right thing Mm -hmm. early in your career. Right. It's just that your focus is completely different and it's- Exactly. Right? Um, Now I sort of call myself the most dangerous person in the room because I don't care. All right. It, it, well, if, hold on. You are the only person in your room. <laughs> uh, if only that were true. Um, uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, you know, now I can make decisions about who I work with or who I don't work with based on the fact that my only goal now is to make a significant impact on your life. Right. Period. End of conversation. And if you if we don't fit, I'm going to tell you. If 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 it doesn't fit our model, I'm going to tell you. Whereas prior, you know, I would have to take almost anybody and everybody because I was also trying to grow the business. So it right. made my decision making and my relationships so much. I, I hate to use the word purer, more genuine. I'm you more were being. In- you're able to be more selective, though. Yes, and I think that's I'm important. there for them. Yeah, when you can be selective as far as who you accept, who you work with, I think at that point, the business, it it does change to where you're more in a, hey, this is our bread and butter. This is what we work with. And we're able to put all our energies towards that. We no longer have to accept everything that comes our way and try to make, I mean, it's like everybody's heard the analogy where you know, trying to put like a, a square peg in a circle hole. You, you know, you bang that, you bang that square hard enough, you will break up the corners and it will fit, but it's not optimal. You don't really have to go through that anymore. You know, I, I recall um, a friend of mine who was going to a cardiologist a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. And he basically said to me that the cardiologist said to him, 
you either do what I'm telling you to do, or you're no longer going to be a patient of mine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, it's not something I necessarily had an ambition to achieve or some aspiration to be that person, that cardiologist. But the reality is, mm-hmm. having been in this business for 32 years now, I do know what I'm talking about. And I do know the landmines you're about to step on because yeah. there, are, there are only so many landmines out there and everybody's going to figure out how to either avoid them or blow themselves up. It, it's not that difficult, but I've been in it for 32 years. You've only retired once, twice, you right. know, whatever it is. Therefore, come on in. Uh, we're going to treat each other as adults. I'm going to give you the information you need to make an intelligent decision. But if at mm-hmm. some point it turns out, you know, you, you're just, you know, challenging everything I say and, you know, not doing the things that are within the range of, you know, good success or probability, then just not working. And that's not a decision that I could have made in my first 15 years, which was to fire that client. Now, right. now I do. Firing a client, that's a whole nother topic on itself, but that is, you're doing something really good. I guess you could say you're doing something right with your business. If you take it to the point to where you can fire clients that you don't have to put up with somebody who is bogging down all of your resources that could be deployed towards a customer who is more grateful um, and that works with you and enables your company. If you get to that point to where you can let them go, I mean, that's, that's huge. I, I remember the very first time I fired my first million dollar client and I, I, I walked in and I was like, oh, I was, but then after the meeting, Uh it was a couple, she literally broke down and couldn't believe that I was in essence telling them they would be better off somewhere else because we had been together for like 10 or 12 years, Uh but he had become so difficult um, and wanted to do things his way and really wanted to listen, didn't want to listen to what we were saying or collaborate it became a problem for my business model and became a problem for me and my operations person. Oh yeah. Going to continue to create problems. So I said, we can't do this anymore. Interestingly, after the meeting, I felt so good about doing it. And three years later, they called me up and they said, Oh, we get it now. We'd like to come back. <laughs> hey, and that 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 happens. Right? I mean, sometimes when you fire a customer, they will eventually come back because they realized, hey, the grass actually is not greener on the right. other side. We had right. it good with Mark or David or whoever, but sometimes firing them actually can save the relationship too, because sometimes it breaks them right then and there. They give in and they're like, okay, okay, I'll shut up. Let's do your thing. Let's get this to work. And then if not, then they can still end up leaving like you were going to fire them anyways. When you fire your customers, I'm sure that it's rare. We do fire some, but it is rare. Um, we go out of our way most times to try to make it at least peaceful for the customer as far as, hey, look, there's a couple partners that work with your industry really well. Not as good as us, but pretty well. I'll introduce (laughs) you to them uh, to see if you can get the ball rolling and we'll assist any way we can with this transition. Do you do anything like that or is it just cold turkey you're out? Depending on who the client is, the type of relationship, we try mm-hmm. to do that. I always try to end okay. it amicably, obviously. Um, and, I, and, and again, I want them to be in a good place. So where we can make a referral, um, we will do that. Yep. Good, good. Um, so I do want to get into some of your areas as far as, I mean, you are a financial expert and we are in crazy times right now. <laughs> but before I do, I just, I needed to tout some of uh some of your experience, because I want people to understand this isn't just like I have some random uh, financial advisor that I found (laughs) on Reddit on the show. Uh, You know, Mark is, from what I see, 
you know, extremely talented, one of the best of the best. I mean, I just want to name a couple of the, the media outlets that you've been featured upon, which is like Fox News Channel, ABC's News, Bloomberg, Wall Street Journal, which is actually the only newspaper I subscribe to, and I love it. Uh, how has writing for those types of media organizations actually like helped you, helped with your, your career? Um, it's interesting, you know, mm -hmm. as a business owner, uh, we have to do so many different things to get exposure. And the, uh, the honest to God truth is so much of what we do really doesn't get us from point A to point B. My wife tells me that all the time. Yeah. Um, why are you doing this? <laughs> um, I get the same thing. I right? I think just last night I said, you know, all the YouTube video, we're almost at a hundred videos on our YouTube channel. We've got all the podcasts going. She says, why are you doing all of this? I said, well, first of all, I love it. Uh -huh. uh, secondly, uh, you know, I just enjoy delivering the information. And I know that at some point we'll be able to leverage the assets and use it to grow the business. You don't see it as a direct um, uh, correlation to, oh, I did this podcast or I'm on Wall Street Journal, mm -hmm. or I wrote this book or I'm doing the talk show and see a direct correlation. In this world, we have to be out there in many different channels. And what the, the thing I try to do since we're in so many different channels with so many different messages, is really try to put, if you will, a good bow on the message. We right. have the package, but is it pretty enough? You know, do mm -hmm. people understand it? Is it coordinated enough? So I'm like the ideas guy. You know, I love the new shiny toy every other week. You know, I just keep chasing yes. stuff. But we have to stay focused on what our core messaging is so that oh, yeah. people understand it and they know how consistent we are so they understand who we are and what to expect from us and you never really know from which channel that benefit is going to come to the business oh yeah definitely definitely and the reason i wanted to ask that is because expert after expert after business owner and business owner has come on this show and during this pandemic since you know you do have a lot of extra time right now that normally you may be in meeting event meeting event they're using this time for content creation uh, from things like with me, I have the extra time. I'm not doing live events. So I started Shark Pipe Biz and it's going amazing. But there are some, but very few direct benefits or direct correlation to business we see. Mostly it's indirect. And where I see a lot of the value with either me going on interviewing on a podcast or hosting something like Shark Pipe Biz is. It's getting us so much better SEO for my personal brand, David Strausser, uh, which is hard because I, I'm fighting it out with a doctor named David Strausser. And oh, Google no. Ranks, Google ranks doctors pretty darn high. They're hard to beat, but I, I finally have taken him down. Maybe it was because I uh, bought drdavidstrausser.com. I don't know. But <laughs> but it, what it's doing is it, it all gives you in the SEO. So people are able to find right. your business. Whereas if you didn't have all those interviews out, the YouTube stuff, all those different things, Fox, uh, Wall Street Journal, ABC, then you're not getting those direct links and name brandage to your actual search results for those organic searches. And that's where it's having a ton of value. So let me share with you a couple of stories. Um, yeah, go ahead. First of all, with regards to this pandemic, and as I said, after my first book, I promised myself I would never do another one. Um, <laughs> however, this pandemic has actually given a number of people a glimpse into what retirement might look like. And the yeah. reason is, they don't have a place to go to work anymore. They may not be able to go anywhere. And now they're home with their spouse or partner 24 seven, that may or may not be going really, really well, okay? <laughs> exactly. But, but it really was an indication looking forward as to what your future retirement could look like mm -hmm. if you had not structured it or thought through it or planned it. and. That prompted me with some of my free time to be the core of the messaging for the new book. 
the don't outlive your money in retirement. And then mm -hmm. we put in place, you know, the seven key steps that you need to take in order to get you from point A to point B. And that the pandemic has actually helped me to more crystallize what retirement can be because now, oh my gosh, many people have been seeing it. The other thing we did in terms of business development was, and I found out I was not any different than many of my peers, we blew up our website and completely started all over again with more concise and, and, and crisp messaging that was oh, yeah. connecting to the, to the consumer rather than just delivering my story. Now it's yeah. much more educational, much more value oriented. And between those two big projects, I really feel like that we've put a, a real uh, stake in the ground in terms of who we are and what our clients and prospects can expect from us. And I'll share with you another thing. It just happened recently. It's just top of mind. Yeah, go ahead. Um, uh, some of my experiences as a consumer during this time have been very, very disappointing. With some of the yeah. biggest brand names, I, I cannot believe how I've been treated. They thought it was okay, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, again, I just related this story to my wife just a couple of nights ago. I said, it is so easy it, particularly in times like this where we're feeling so unsettled and so unsafe and we feel so vulnerable to make people feel good. And I had one client on the phone and we were, had to make a change to their uh, portfolio. And she says to me, she says, I have the paperwork in hand. She says, I'm not exactly sure how to do this. I said, listen, Joanne, I'll do it for you. I'll make the call. Her, she was like over the over the moon. Oh my God, Mark, you'll do it for me. It's like I mean, it was it was a nothing, right? Then the other thing was I had a, a, um, somebody come in. Her 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 aunt had just passed away, and she was providing us with the death certificate. She says, "Can and we actually met outside my office. She stayed in her car. I I walked out in twenty two degree weather, picked up the death wow. certificate. She said, "Could I have a copy of it?" I said, "Absolutely." I came back a moment later, and I said, "Listen." Here's two copies of it. She was like, oh my God. And it's so easy mm -hmm. in today's world, because I think the bar is so low to really deliver extraordinary experiences. Disney calls it their wow experience, okay? Yeah. How do we add value without spending money? How does the customer or consumer feel mm -hmm. better about what we're delivering just because we're thinking more about them and we're listening and responding. And I think those are messages that we have to take to heart as a result of this pandemic. It will also help us build our business as well. Yeah, yeah, we just had an episode of, uh, I think it aired today or last week where that was part of the whole conversation that we had that you know, the sales process with this pandemic has changed a little bit to where it is more customer service orientated and doing those little things. Um, Ed Howie was on the show and, you know, I think he said it best when he was on, which was, you know, we're in a joy deficit right now and bringing joy to your clients a little things, you know, send them a $20 thing of cookies. It's only 20 yep. bucks, but everybody's cranky, they're tired, they're frustrated. Um, and something like that, it, it's going to bring, it's going to be mean a lot more to them now than if you did the same thing, say 18 months ago. It's never about, in our business, it's not about the numbers. It's not about mm -hmm. the investment portfolio, how you did or didn't do against the Dow or the S&P. It's the journey into and through retirement. And as it turns out, and what our industry has done a horrible job of mm -hmm. educating those who are approaching retirement on exactly how to prepare for retirement. They think right. it's all about money management because that's all they've talked about with their previous financial advisor or done on their own through Fidelity or TD or whomever. But when you go into retirement, it's much more about how do I get fulfilled? How do I maintain my respect? What do I right. do the rest of my life? The industry will tell you that the number one fear is running out of money. And that certainly is true. We don't want to run out of money. For my clientele, however, that really isn't much of, a, of an issue. The real issue is, so what do I do the rest of my life? How do I fill my time? 
Am I going to be home 24 seven with my spouse? You know, one of the things my wife has told me is I realize now in this pandemic, you have to have a place to go because you need to get out of the house. Right. Absolutely. So the funny story, and a quick story, um, I've got oh, go in their mid seventies. Um, they've been with me for about 15, 18 years. One of them works um, at a state college and his wife is a, uh, works for the municipality. And they're both, you know, about to retire. They were retiring last year. And I said to him, because I always try to learn from my clients. I have a whole mental notebook of what's been going on for 32 years. I said, so what, what keeps you up at night as you now think about this next chapter of your life, which is retirement? And he mm -hmm. said to me, says, well, you know, I can play golf about maybe three or four days a week, but I'm not sure what I'm going to do the rest of the time. That keeps me up. And I turned uh -huh. to her and I said, so what keeps you up at night? She says, I don't know what I'm going to do with him all of the time. <laughs> and it's a very real issue. And once you get the, once you hit your retirement number, the whole discussion about money management drops from being the most important to being like the fifth, sixth, or seventh most important on, on the docket. It's so much more than just money management. It's much more about the planning because the planning gives you the confidence as to whether or not you can do what you want to do when you want to do it. Just because right. you earned 6% or 12% or only lost 2%, that doesn't give you confidence because you're still unsure if I spend the money now, will it be there later? Right. All about the planning. The planning guides the money. The money guides your journey, which gives you the joy that you're looking for. And that's really the world in which we live. We have to touch the money. We have to make our clients prepared for retirement. But then we walk hand in hand with them through retirement so that we mm -hmm. all get the benefit of that experience. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's some great examples there. Some of the, the questions that we have, because we obviously have a lot of younger executives that watch this show. So I want to ask for, excuse me, for them, somebody like, for example, my age, I'm 37. What should I be doing during this pandemic as far as getting ready for retirement? So it's a great question. Um, so let's back up for a moment. In my world, in the financial planning world with the clients we deal with, you know, I work with people who are probably, you know, mostly in their 55 to 75 age range. Mm -hmm. They're in or about, they have a chunk of money. You know, typically our, our clients have, uh, you know, close to a million dollars or more. And then we, you know, we do the planning around it. You're asking the question before you get to that spot, how do we right. get to that spot? And I, I do a lot of speaking nationally on financial literacy and financial wellness. And we really talk about those who are over and under the age of 50. And there are different mm -hmm. things you have to talk about. The number one thing is to really step back and have a conversation with your spouse or partner, if you have one, to identify what's important, which of the six or seven big things we need to accomplish. When you're 37, right? I'll just generalize. You, you've got cash flow issues, right? Yeah. The biggest things that impact most people on a short-term basis. But the problem with not focusing on your cash flow issue is that it doesn't free up enough money to then put enough money into your retirement plan or put enough money into your kid's college education or put money away towards your emergency reserves or you know go on vacation. So the number one thing you really have to do is oh my gosh, really focus in on identifying the cash flow. We tell people, get a cash flow statement, Google it, uh, spit mm -hmm. it out. You and your wife, you know, ha have, ha have at it, go through it and start to figure out what credit card debt are we have? How do you reduce it? Because that has a big impact. So well, that, that, that has a big awesome. impact too. That's awesome that you're saying that because it's actually something that, I just kind of went through myself and, uh, you know, we got decent credit, stuff like that. But I realized um, I have about four to five major credit cards with big lines and altogether it's like maybe 40,000 or so credit card debt. But 
even with the decent credit, those rates were still like in the 20 percent ish and went out and I just said, hey, I wonder if I can save anything. And I looked and there was like a 60 month uh, credit card consolidation loan that I got. Now they made me actually literally pay off the cards with it. And yep. they gave me like this, uh, I think it was like 8.49 or something like that percent. But I was saving about 20% or so, it seems roughly on interest to where the the payments of the that 40,000 before I, um, you know, before I got the loan, I think I was around 1300 ish a month. Okay, now with this flat rate, 60 month reduced interest debt consolidation loan, it brought it down to about 800 or so a month. That's what we focus on with every speech that I talk about. If you, So you need to free up your cash flow and you did exactly what you needed to do because it makes an enormous difference, right? Not only a difference in terms of your peace of mind going to sleep at night and being able to sleep at night, um, but now you freed up $500 a month right? Mm -hmm. um, and now you can look to allocate that money towards other buckets that you and your spouse, if you have one, you know, have to talk about. Yeah. You know, once you get beyond that, then we have to talk about, you know, do you take money out of your 401ks? The answer is you shouldn't, but sometimes it's okay. And we talk yeah. about, you know, yeah, the, you know, the CARES should, Act really opened that can of worms because you could take up to 100% of your 401k out. So we show a 35-year-old who takes out $5,000 and we show the impact of what that $5,000 costs her at her retirement. And in the wow. scenario we presented, we showed that that 35-year-old taking the $5,000 out at age 65, it cost her $50,000 in her retirement for taking the $5,000 out when she was 35. Now, there are some scenarios where you have no choice, right? And you have to take the money out, right? Consider the other stuff. But almost 40% of people take loans out against the 401k, and most of them don't need to. So mm -hmm. we talk about the 401ks. We talk about increasing your contributions into your 401k by 1% per year. That's not a big thing. It's a little thing. It has little impact on your current cash flow, but it provides an enormous benefit later on down the road when you go to retire. Right. If, you're, if your employer has an employer contribution match, okay, one thing that I've always have been told is if they're matching X percent or whatever their weird configuration is, you should definitely try to maximize it up to that because you're essentially then possibly doubling. In my case, it's doubling the amount of money that I put in because they give us a 100% match up to 2.5%. So if I'm at 2.5%, it's like, bam, I'm saving 5% and it's only yeah. costing me half of that. Right, correct. And once you start freeing up money, and sometimes you know, if you're really behind the eight ball, it's okay sometimes to agree with yourself to suspend the contributions to the 401k, accelerate paying down the debt. And then in a year or two, you have so much extra cash flow, you can now go back in and put a lot more into the 401k or the student, you know, your, your college mm -hmm. education loans or your vacation funds or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it, so you ask the question about what do you do? You have to sit down. And one of the things I find people do is they get so afraid of what the answer might be when they really peel the layers of the onion. Oh my gosh, we're in trouble. And then yeah. they don't really do it and they put their head in the sand. That's the worst thing you can do because you'll never ever get out of it and you'll be living in that space for the rest of your life financially. Go address it, uh -oh. go attack yeah. it, be aggressive with it. You know, Do the little things that you need to do and you'll end up being at the right place for whatever that is for you. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great info. I mean, even right now, I, I just found an app the other day. I think it is called, yeah, here it is, Bright Money. And I was using them because you connect it to all your accounts and stuff like that. And it, it does little things like, hey, look, if you pay 
X on X date, it's actually going to save you $2 of interest in your next loan. But you do that across, you know, all your, your accounts and you could end up saving 50, 100, 150 bucks a month, depending how much debt you have and how many accounts you have. And then, you know, you're able to essentially, okay, well, I'm going to save $2 on this payment by paying a day or two early, you know, that's an extra $2 worth of interest. Then that I'm going to pay off early, you know what I mean? Or, or debt that, that could accumulate interest. And I think even little tips like that for someone that's in their thirties is good because at the end of the day, all those little sums end up to being, you know, a lot of money. Again, our industry has done the masses and injustice. And I believe we have not going to done a good job of explaining what we, you, everybody needs to do in order to get out mm -hmm. from under or to get ahead. And it's, it's we, we so focus on that big number. When I tell you, and the commercials used to be, you know, a guy, you know, with one of the insurance companies and he had this number under his arm. It was a million eight hundred thousand four hundred and twenty two thousand three hundred and sixty eight dollars. That's what that's my retirement number. That's a, such a bad message to, to deliver. And I'll tell you why. If I said to you, David, you need a million eight to retire. You'd look at me and go. I can't do that right now. Therefore, I'm not going to do anything. And right. if we teach you that if at early stages to, to just discipline yourself, to put little pieces of money away over long periods of time, you'll have your million eight. Don't focus on the million eight. Focus on what you can do today. And we, we don't put you in a good place financially or emotionally when we focus on these things that the vast majority of people will never be able to accomplish. Yeah, that, that is excellent advice. So what about, you know, we're talking about retirement funds, stuff like that. One thing that I came across and I just opened myself is uh, I, I've been doing a lot of these you know, alt banking type things out there that, you know, offer, I'm checking everything out to see what's all out there. And I've been using the, the stash app a little bit and it was like, Hey, you know, why don't you open up a, uh, a Roth, uh, IRA account? I mean, are that's post-tax income, stuff like that. Is that a good way to put money away for most people? Uh, extra cash to save towards the future? Or should they use that money instead to pay off debt in the meantime? All right. So we have to separate those two conversations. Okay. We already okay. talked about you really first and foremost need to focus on cash flow and debt. Okay. That will give you the most peace of mind now and we'll get you out from under later. Now, when it comes to the conversation about the Roth, I love a Roth. Okay. okay. Particularly if you're 37 years old, right? So, so here's the deal. Money goes in, you don't get the benefit of the tax deduction that mm -hmm. you would with a regular IRA, okay? But it goes in, you can have the same investments, whatever the investments are, the money grows tax deferred, but here's the beauty of the Roth. Right. Later on, when you're in retirement and the taxes will more than likely be higher than what they are today. I mean, no oh, yeah. guarantees on that, but right, that's, that's where we're headed, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you end up putting in little pieces of money now, having them grow to a much larger amount, and then being take the, taking them out tax-free. And more importantly, Roth IRAs are not driven by the IRS where you have to take a required minimum distribution. In other words, when you're mm. 72, you must take money out of your retirement plan, whether you need it or not. And when you take the money out, it's taxed. Most of my clients don't need the money out, but they're forced to take money out. It could be mm -hmm. 30, 50, $120,000 a year, depending upon the size of your retirement. And then you have to pay taxes on it on money you don't want or need. With a right. Roth, you could take it out tax and they don't force you to take it out. It's a big conversation. I think it's a wonderful tool for those who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s. Mm -hmm. 
Um, when you're in your 50s and 60s, you just have to coordinate it a little bit more. I, I think it's uh, that is uh, the maximum I, I think I saw. Now, maybe it's because I'm technically investing into 2020 yet because it said you still could to tax day, I believe. Um, but I think the maximum I saw was about 6,000 a year at my age. Sounds bracket. right. Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you need to make sure you speak with your accountant in terms of what are you currently contributing in? How do you coordinate it all? Are you eligible for it? You got to make sure mm -hmm. that you're doing the right things. So I have probably two more questions for you as we start to, to wrap this up. One of them, which has been all over the news lately, mm -hmm. you know, you have Wall Street bets, all that stuff in the, the stock market. Crypto's blown up. How much of how safe do you think investing in for crypto for your your retirement for buying and holding in things like Bitcoin? You believer or non-believer? You know, I got to be honest with you. I, I'm not even sure how to spell digital wallet. Okay, <laughs> um, you hold it in this thing that you don't have and you can't buy. I I, I don't. You know. Let, let me put it this way. I think that the story has legs. I think that major financial institutions now are opening up um, trading uh, platforms to trade cryptocurrency, whether it's yep. Bitcoin or others. They are um, coins, yes. I believe that there is a future. Um, the funny part is, particularly from my stepkids and the millennials, they mm -hmm. think this is the end all, the be all, and they want to put every piece of savings they have into this because they're seeing the extraordinary explosion of value, whatever value is, growth of, of, of yep. or price of, of a Bitcoin. I, I, I wouldn't ever go there. I mean, if, you know, within a diverse, here, here it comes the, the old stodgy establishment. <laughs> you know, if a part of a diversified portfolio, you want to put some money into that and you think it's good and you want to, you know, take that kind of risk, wonderful. But um, in terms of putting everything into it, I would never put everything into anything. Right. Not all your eggs in one basket, as the cliche goes. And, you know, I, I really felt most of my life just like you were, were saying, you know, it's like, but it doesn't really exist. But the thing is, is that it's not going away. And a lot of these cryptocurrencies, I mean, they do have back end functions as far as what they do. So it's not like you just have this QR code and here's your magic buddy. I mean, it's related to things like blockchain or yep. some other thing. So that's where I do think that, I guess you could say my thinking on it is evolving because yes. I, I, I'm seeing it like they actually do provide a service. And in my mind, I don't really view it as the currency per se, I view it more as like you're buying a piece of a stock. But the difference is, is that you could spend this with somebody, transfer it to somebody easier, doesn't have those restrictions like an actual stock has. That's my thinking on it right now. I know there's probably crypto fans out there, you know, throwing things at their PC screens as they watch <laughs> this. But I mean, well, I, I, I will know. tell you that I don't necessarily invest in the crypto, but when you talk about blockchains or industries that are supportive or the technology surrounding what's going to be happening, I'm very much a believer in that mm -hmm. type of disruptive technology. And we do invest in that for a portion of, you know, the appropriate client portfolio. So looking into the future, I like the direction. Right. And I, honestly, uh, I'm sure you've probably heard the U.S. government is investigating as far as deploying their own official digital currency, because that is where things are eventually going. I would say there's no doubt about that. We're going to have a crypto dollar backed by the U.S. government, controlled by the U.S. government eventually. I think when that does actually finally release, I think that's when crypto is going to be. I, I still feel like it's the the pre-boom. It's like the like right before the gold rush stage, even though there's been all these spikes and stuff. I think when that comes out, that's when the the stability moment is really going to hit from that point on, because then within a few years, everybody's going to be using it. And instead of working with, hey, I'm going to send you uh, 
$13.17, you'll be like, yeah, I'm going to send you dot zero 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 three two one uh, crypto coin. So, right, right. You know, it's going to be a challenge. I, I think it's definitely fun. Last question I wanted to ask is your general market analysis, real quick. A lot of talk over the past uh, year, obviously with the elections, stuff like that, people, a lot of uh, hyperbolic stuff with how the market actually is. As far as investing in it, I mean, we're at highs, historic highs. You're doing it for your retirement. I mean, is there? do you fear that this is an actual bubble right now and that it could come crashing down and, you know, you lose a lot that you just invested now for retirement. So first of all, I, I, we have another hour to talk about this. Oh no, we, we got to do Cliff Notes version. <laughs> um, so first of all, I really focus more on investment behavior than anything else. Mm -hmm. um, I get too many questions, uh, particularly from the younger folk who ask about investing, you know, uh, some money and they're going to need it in a year or two years. Um, you can't invest in the market if you're going to need money in that short a time frame. You have right. to look at the market in terms of long term, or not necessarily retirement, but longer term. You know, I'll take you what, back. What would you define longer term at then? Are you talking three to five? five at least five years. At least okay. five years. The market is very unpredictable day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. But when you start to stretch that out and you look at charts over five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, the market becomes much more predictable. Um, mm -hmm. And then I can have a little bit more faith and confidence in terms of what my outcome might be. But let me share with you the behavior last year, okay? Okay. Because I believe you have to divorce your emotions from the way you manage money. And most people don't. And again, our industry has done you wrong. The headlines were at the end of February last year that this coronavirus thing was coming around and the market was expecting a depression and it went down yeah. the most, the steepest decline in the history of the world, right? In like yeah. two weeks, right? A trillion dollars, one trillion with a T, Carl Sagan, came wow. out of the market between anticipating the of in November and the market declined. As the market then realized we weren't headed into depression, it was just going to be an, a recession. And the market then recovered in the most accelerated way in the history of earth. Mm -hmm. Money did not come back into the market. Most of the trillion dollars was out or was going into bond funds, which in essence were returning nothing. So- okay. We have to make sure that when we invest, we understand our time frame. We put in place a portfolio that is relevant to whatever our risks and time of life are, and make sure we don't get sucked into the CNN, Fox, Wall Street, Bloomberg headlines that every single day they have to generate some fear so we'll continue to watch. We don't want to react on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. You make minor adjustments to, as a long-winded way to answer your question. I think we are in a great place for investing. I think that there's a lot of technologies looking forward that are continue to be disrupted, whether it's the big ones like you know Amazon and Google and uh, you know yeah. Tesla's coming and all the other blockchain. You know, there's so much you know good to be investing in. But yep. you must think about it over a longer period of time rather than just, just the next year, two years, or three years. That is an amazing answer. And I do want to clarify the one statement that you said about not listening to those headlines from Fox, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, and all those, unless it's one of your contributions. <laughs> you got to read Mark's, you, Mark's articles. <laughs> so, so now this, you know, we, we've been talking about this. And, you know, so the big question for your listeners is for those who are closing in on retirement is, are they really prepared, right? Um, mm -hmm. Do they really know? And that's where we, you know, I, I'm not going to have people buy the book. You know, I, people don't read anymore, but the book yeah. is out there and it's got seven key steps in it if you're interested. But more importantly, what we did as a result of writing the book was came up with a quiz. It was a two-minute quiz, and it asks you 15 or 16 questions, and then once you answer the quiz, 
we not only score it for you so you know which of the three retirement preparedness stages you are in, but I also give you a free chapter of the book and two worksheets so that you can get more clarity about where you are and what you need to do in order to be properly prepared. And if your listeners are interested, they can go yeah, to www.retirenowquiz.com. That's unique, huh? Retirenowquiz. The interesting part is some people want to retire now but aren't sure if they can. Mm-hmm. This will give you an answer. No, that, that's great. And your book, can you give us a title of that again and tell us where we can buy it? So it's Don't Outlive Your Money in Retirement. That's the number one fear, right? Seven Key Steps. And it's been available on a Kindle version on Amazon. And we just recently made it available in hard copy. So you awesome. can go on Amazon, you can look at it. Uh, you can go to my author's page. As I say, we have, I've got four books out there, three of them on retirement, one on financial wellness. Um, it, it's all unbiased, all, uh, you know, to help people get to a better place in their lives financially and sometimes holistically as well. And just to point out, when I do air this episode, we will have an autographed copy of the book setting right here, right, Mark? Ooh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. no, and I, I will I have... I will have that in my office next week, so I will make sure to send you one. Oh, perfect. Thank you. I love it when people on the show have the books. A lot of them, only one per. I, I pay for the books if they want. Only one person actually charged me, but I paid for it because I also want to support my guests too, if I have to. And I read as much of them as I can. Oftentimes, I don't... I. I I keep the hardcover book as like a collectible to me for doing the show. But then uh, if they have it on Audible, I'll actually purchase it on Audible so I can listen to the book. If they don't, that's where then I'm probably doing the Kindle version and reading it yeah. or read yeah. the hardcover copy. But I, I love having that. Uh, we'll make sure everybody out there gets the link to buy your book, show your book. And besides the book itself and your quiz, how can people reach out to you if they want you to manage their retirement money? So they can. So we've got the YouTube channel, which is Your yep. Retirement Authority. They can check us there. We've got almost 100 videos on there now on all sorts of different topics. But our website is probably the most informative in terms of addressing the particular issues that you have on your mind. We've got seven or eight different two-minute videos on the mm-hmm. website. And that website is www.55retire.com. www.55retire.com. And there you can not only listen to me, but see me talk to you as well. Oh, yeah. We, we love that. Okay. Hey, thank you so much. This has been amazing. And I look forward to once this pandemic's all done and the world has yet shifted again, getting you back on here so that we can talk about how retirement investments are going to look in that world. Thank you very much, David, Mark. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you later. That was such an incredible, awesome chat with Mark, right? I really, really loved it. I enjoyed it. It was fun. I think I was uh, laughing and giggling like a schoolgirl at various points throughout the interview. It was really enjoyable. Thanks, Mark, for coming on. First, you all know the routine by now. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked some warm and fuzzies, do me a favor. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. You can subscribe or follow almost on any platform you find us on, whether Deezer, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, iTunes, or whether you're on YouTube watching us, you can follow, subscribe, whatever options they have everywhere, okay? If you're on YouTube, make sure you smash that join button. You know, we have membership tiers starting at three, five, and 25 bucks a month, each one with its own set of offerings. And lastly, if you really, really enjoyed this interview, if you have a lot of friends that could take some of this retirement help discussion that Mark and I had, please make sure you share it. 
Get it out there to your friends on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you go to escape work. Uh, get it out there, share it. I would love to see nothing more than Mark Sager at Sharkbite Biz trending on Twitter. So yeah, this was awesome career transformation advice that Mark had. Uh, being able to do what he really wanted to do, you know, by jumping into the world of financial services by being fired, you know, at his current position. That's kind of funny and ironic at the same time. I mean, you can't get any more realer than that. Sometimes you have to have a catalyst like that to kind of push you off to be able to enable you to do your life dreams and what you really want to do. Marks was getting fired. So, you know, ironically, sometimes one door closes and another door opens. Same thing here, you know? So it's amazing. Sometimes life's plan for you just has these little, you know, up and down nuances and you just have to navigate the waters and you should be fine. Don't get emotional. Don't do the big knee jerk reaction, stuff like that. Just play it. Calm, cool, collective. You'll be fine. Just like Mark was. So besides the good financial advice we had here in this episode, there was another important story about how Mark and me, we were discussing firing customers. It's sometimes a hard decision to make, but as a business owner, getting into a position to be able to choose who you want to work with instead of being stuck with working with every single person who comes to your website or through your door is a critical pivot. In Mark's story, he said about how his customer came back and said, oh, you know, we get it now. That's what the customer said three years after they separated. The cliche goes that grass isn't always greener on the other side, and that is so, so true. Sometimes you are in the right. Sometimes, you know, you got to remember, you can't work with everybody. You aren't going to have the style or personality match with everybody you come across. They have expectations, one thing, your expectations are another. Sometimes you just can't get it to match. That's a reality. So knowing where to cut bait at and where you have to separate it so that it's not just a thorn in your back every single day is really critical for, you know, I, I think just happiness balance in your life. And remember, with clients, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, if they move, that is. Uh, but you got to be willing to make those tough calls, okay? Now, educating those on financial consequences of retirement is critical. That's one of the things that Mark really specializes in. And I, I think that a lot of our discussion points around that uh, were pretty good. I think they came across really well. I think they're clear. And it really... It, I think, showed you, talking with Mark, why, you know, being prepared and getting somebody to guide you, to educate you, to teach you, like Mark, is critical to making these life decisions that will impact your life, your quality of life. What kind of life do you want post-retirement? Okay? You may think you know. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. A lot, a lot of people are more smarter today. They're able to figure out some of these things on their own. But if you're like most of us, you know a little, you know, you know this, you know that, but you don't really know the whole picture. And that's where somebody like Mark's able to really guide you and help you take your knowledge to the next level. Lastly, remember, like Mark says, first off, full disclosure, David Strausser, Shark Pipe is not a financial advisor. But like Mark says, again, <laughs> um, you know, especially with the younger generation, Having crypto as part of a diversified portfolio, you know, it can be healthy. There are amazing returns. I have witnessed them myself, okay? Um, and there's a lot of people that lost a lot of money too. But he really does strongly advise against going all crypto. You know, if you're planning on retiring all crypto, unless you get super lucky, it's probably going to be a tough bet. So having it, though, as part of a diversified portfolio... Definitely something that he advises for. And remember, you know, as he said, he's part of that old school establishment type mentality. But even with that, cannot deny the returns people are getting off things like Bitcoin. So it is pretty, pretty amazing. It is some great food for thought. And please, please, whatever you do, do not forget, grab Mark's book, Don't Outlive Your Money in Retirement, Seven Key Steps 
You can see it right here. We'll have the link for the book down in uh, the description. You can grab it right off of Amazon. And please, check it out. Awesome book. I've skimmed through it so far. We'll give it a deep dive. And it is pretty cool. So do you want to be a guest on Shark Bite Biz? Well, we got a new email address for you. Uh, my inbox is getting so full with so many requests. So we're going to have you save your interview request too. Interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. If you have a great story to tell, we will get every and anybody on here because we want to give you a platform so that other business entrepreneur-like people can learn from your experience. Remember, click that join button on YouTube to directly help out and also go to deadhousecoffee.com to buy from our own, literally my own company. Use code SHARK to save 20%. And again, by doing so, you will absolutely help us grow this channel. Again, that's deadhousecoffee.com or hit that join button right here on YouTube. You all know this by now. I'm David Strasser. This is Shark Pie Fizz. We'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.